The following message is by Pastor Jason Polly. More information from Harmony Bible Church is available at www.harmonybible.org. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity we have had thus far to lift up your name, to sing your praise. God, I pray that as we continue to do so, and as we look at your word, that you would knit our hearts together in love, that you'd encourage us in the gospel, that you'd help us to be mindful of what you have done for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray and ask that as we worship you, we would worship you in spirit and in truth. God, that you'd give us ears to not only hear, but also hearts to be doers of your word. God, I pray and ask the same for the churches that are meeting up and down the coast and around the world this morning. God, I pray and ask especially for Spruce Head Community Church, for Pastor Chris, that you'd be with him as he proclaims the gospel in this very same community. God, that you would bless him, encourage him, encourage that church, and use them mightily for the furtherance of your kingdom. God, that you would be glorified. God, that revival would begin here in and through this community, and in and through us now. God, I pray and ask again for your blessing. Be with us now as we look to your word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we've been working our way through the book of Colossians. And every week I think, we've got about three weeks left. And then I I get into the message and I think, well maybe this week it'll be a two-part Message. Maybe I'll just do one verse and then I'll do part two next week, but I've decided we're going we're gonna to get through Colossians 4, verses 2 through 4. We're going to handle that section today, Lord willing. So I titled the message, Talking to God About Men. And then next week's message is going to be Talking to Men About God. So this week is prayer, next week is evangelism. So they kind of go hand in hand, if you will. And as we've worked through the book of Colossians, we've seen Paul writing to the church in Colossae say again and again and again, Christ is enough. That Christ is sufficient. And that the grace they've been given through the Gospel is sufficient for them. That they don't need to pursue a life of good works. That they don't need to uh, follow religious tradition. But what they need is Jesus Christ and Him alone, Him crucified. And as they seek Christ, some of those things will follow. That some of the, 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 a life of good works springs forth as a result of being united with God through Christ. So with that in mind, we're going to look at Paul's words to the Colossians regarding prayer. Look at Colossians 4, verses 2-4. through 4. If you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Paul says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the Word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I also have been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the applying of His Word. Amen. You may be seated. So this section begins with a a simple and straightforward command. 
devote yourselves to prayer. And the word devote means to continue to do something with intense effort. So to continue to do something with intense effort. It's often used to describe perseverance in the midst of intense difficulty. So it involves diligence. So the command is not pray when it is easy or pray when it is convenient or pray sporadically. The command is devote yourselves to prayer. Put intense effort into being a person of prayer. Now before we get too far ahead of ourselves and talking about being devoted to prayer, we need to ask the question, what is prayer? So if I'm to ask you, what is prayer? What would your response be? What is prayer? Starting in January, we're going to be using the New City Catechism. And we're going to go through one question each week of the catechism. And for those of you who don't know what a catechism is, the word catechism comes from the Greek word katecheo, which means to teach. So a catechism is simply a teaching device. And it uses a series of questions and answers to help teach proper doctrine. So in light of my question, what is prayer? Let's look at what the New City Catechism says. Question number 39 of the New City Catechism asks that very question. The question is, what is prayer? And the answer is this. Prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. So prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. I have a quick video that I want to show dealing with question number 39 of the New City Catechism. Question number 38. Prayer is the way you walk by the Spirit. Prayer is the way you walk by faith. In other words, it's, it's the breath of the Christian life all day long. Just breathe in, breathe out. It's the way you live. So I'm going to illustrate for you with these four elements from the catechism how I do this in relation to all the challenges of my life. So I'm commending to you that every time you face any situation in your life that feels like I, I need help here, you do it by prayer using these four elements. So let's take this video shoot as an example. A few minutes ago, before, I wonder, am I going to be able to do this? Will I remember what I have to say? Will I not hit my legs too many times in order not to make the sound bad? And I confess, at that moment, I confess my need to God. I say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve your help, but I need your help. I can't do anything without you. So that's the confession piece. And then I turn my confession to petition. Lord, please help me. I need memory. I need articulation. I need the right spirit. I need humility. I need to look at the camera. I need all these things. And I, I don't have it in myself to be what I need to be, to be spiritually helpful to those who are watching this. Help me. So I cry out for help. That's petition. 
And then you need to reach out and take hold of something about God that will be worthy of your praise and worthy of your trust. Like God says, I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. I'll hold you up with my victorious right hand. You you take hold of that promise, that power, that love, that mercy, and you hold on to it. And you praise him. You are able to help me. Thank you for helping me. Now, I jumped the gun on that one. So here's, I'm about to be done. And what I'm going to do when I'm done, I'm going to thank him. So there they are. And I'm just commending to you now, as you, as you walk through life, continually confess your need to the Lord. I need you. I can't do what I have to do. Cry out in petition. Help me lay hold on something infinitely praiseworthy in God, his grace, his mercy, his power, his wisdom to help you. And then when he helps you and the video is over, go on your face and say, thank you. That's the, the rhythm and the breath of the Christian life. So this is what we are to devote ourselves to. We are to devote ourselves. We're supposed to put intense effort into pouring out our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. As I think about each week, I, as I'm preparing the message, and I've said this many times, I usually get up quite early on Sunday mornings, and oftentimes I'll come before God and I'll say, God, I cannot do this. God, once again, You're asking me to get up and share Your Word, and this is above anything that I can do in my own strength. That I am a sinner in need of grace. And I'll confess my sin before God. And and I'll praise Him for who He is and what He's doing and what He's doing in this church. And I ask Him, I say, God, please, Work mightily in and through me, not because of me, but in spite of me. And not for my glory, but for yours. And then I praise Him. I praise Him for His promise that He is building His church. But if you're anything like me, you struggle in this area. It doesn't always come easy. Prayer does not always come easy. That's why intense effort is needed. When John Piper says that prayer is the breath of the Christian life, He's saying that it is essential. Like breathing is essential, not that it is easy. He's not saying at all that it's easy. You know, I don't need to devote myself to breathing. It just comes natural. I don't think about it. I naturally do it. Now, overindulging on the green bean casserole during the fellowship luncheon this afternoon, that's going to take some devotion, right? That's going to take some intense effort on my part. And I would imagine that's probably why there's a lack of prayer in Christendom today. There's a lack of devotion. There's a lack of intense effort. We need to be more like E.M. Bounds who said, I must pray because of what God has done for me through the Gospel. I must honor Him and live for Him and for His glory. So we got up and prayed four hours a day. And we have a hard time praying for four minutes. You see, we see devotion to prayer again and again and again in the Scriptures. We see it after the ascension of Christ in Acts 1. Acts 1, verses 13-14, through we read this. When they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all were 
These all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So in the midst of this difficulty, what do they do? They turn to God in prayer. They devote themselves to prayer. And again, when you get to Acts 2, we see that it's the response of those who, uh, who heard Peter's sermon. In Acts chapter 2, verses 41-42, through 42, we read, So then those who had received His word were baptized. And that day there were added to their number about 3,000 souls. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You see, the Gospel, they heard the Gospel, they responded to the Gospel, they were saved, and what did they do? They spent time in prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. Because the natural response to understanding the Gospel is to devote yourselves to prayer. And in Acts 6, the apostles recognized devotion to prayer. They recognized that it was an essential part of their ministry. Acts 6, verses 1-4 through says this, Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint rose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve, the apostles, they summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. You see, they understood that the key to leading well was devoting themselves to prayer. And again, Paul told the church in Rome, to devote themselves to prayer. Romans 12, verses 19, 19, or 9-13. through He says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. This is a different word. The word devoted here. It's have affection. Have affection for one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. How are you going to do this? Devoted to, putting intense effort into, Prayer and contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. See, Paul said, you need to be devoted to prayer. Again and again and again, the Scriptures speak of not just prayer, but the importance of being devoted to prayer. Thus, a healthy church is a praying church. As Charles Spurgeon accurately said, As well could you expect a plant to grow without air and water as to expect your heart to grow without prayer and faith. We want to grow. We want to grow as Christians. We want to see the church grow. We want to see the kingdom expand. And do we devote ourselves to prayer? Do we put intense effort into prayer? I remember when I was a young Christian, uh, one of the deacons at the church that I was attending we were talking about prayer, and I, I love this man. He's moved away. I haven't seen him in years, but I remember him saying, I work 12, 13 hours a day. He said, and it's hard to pray. So what I do is I stand up. And I, because I know if I sit down, I'll fall asleep. So I stand up while I pray. And I will stand because I, I know that that will keep me awake. And I thought, wow, 
That is devotion to prayer. He could have easily said, I work 12, 13 hours a day. I don't have time to pray. Or I pray, but when I do, I fall asleep. You know? No. He was devoted to prayer. Just as the early church was devoted to prayer, so too must we also. You see, that's why 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray without ceasing. And pray without ceasing doesn't mean that I pray all the time. That every word that I utter is a prayer. That's not the point of pray without ceasing. Yes, there's some element that we should be praying constantly. We should be communing and talking with God all the time. But the point is this. Pray in every part of your life. When you think about work, pray. When you go to work, pray. When you get home, when you cook meals, whatever you do, when you get dressed in the morning, Pray. Pray all the time in everything you do. Be mindful of the importance of prayer in every single part of your life. Pray without ceasing. Devote yourselves to prayer. Those are hard words to swallow. And as I write this, as I was writing this message, I couldn't help but think, do I do this? Do I do this well? I'm devoted to a lot of things in life. And I'm devoted to a lot of things more than prayer. And I recognize there's something wrong. There's something wrong when that is the case. So getting back to our text, not only does Paul say, devote yourselves to prayer, or put intense effort into being people of prayer, but he also goes on to say, keeping alert in it. Keeping alert in it in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. The word alert means to stay awake or be watchful. Paul's words immediately bring to mind uh, the events that took place in the Garden of of Gethsemane. He says, "Be, be awake, be watchful. And when he says that, you can't help but think of Matthew 26. The Garden of Gethsemane, it says this, Then Jesus, starting in verse 36, came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And He said to His disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. It's the same Greek word as keeping alert in Colossians. The same exact word. Keep watch. Be alert with me. And he went a little beyond them and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as You will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you could not keep watch with me for one hour? You could not be alert for one hour? And then he says, keep watching. Be alert and praying that you may not enter into temptation. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again a second time and prayed, saying, my father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. 
And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up! Let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Can you imagine? I think sometimes we're so hard on the disciples. That Jesus, Jesus is with you. And He says, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here. Be alert. Keep watch. Pray with me. You go, yes, Jesus. Okay, Jesus. And then He falls asleep. He comes back and says, He says, you need to stay awake. Keep watching and praying that you may not fall into temptation. And they fall asleep. You see, the disciples, they should have been alert to what was happening around them. And the gravity of the situation should have motivated them to pray. Jesus said, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here. Keep watch. And then he said, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. And finally he said, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, pay attention. The hour is at hand and the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. What do they do? They fall asleep each and every time. You know, the same is all too often true for us. There's a spiritual war going on. We don't see it. There's a spiritual war going on and sometimes we miss it. And instead of being alert in prayer, we are sound asleep to reality. We'd rather stay home and spend time watching American Idol than we would praying. We'd rather watch watch the Pats game than spend time in our prayer closet. And I say we, because I mean we. I mean myself as well. You see, we need to be alert. We need to be aware of what's going on. And we need to pray. But Paul's admonition is more than just be alert. It's more than just be alert. Know what's going on. He tells the Colossians, he tells them to be alert, keep alert in it, in prayer, with an attitude of thanksgiving. So the Greek more literally says this, being watchful in thankfulness. So be watchful in thankfulness. So the NIV, which says, uh, being watchful and thankful, it might lead us down the wrong path of thinking that these two ideas are separate. See, Paul is not saying, be watchful. Oh, and be thankful. He's saying, be thankful as you watch. As you see what's going on around you, as you're watchful of the events going on, be thankful. That's exactly what Jesus modeled in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew that what was going on around Him was hard. It was difficult. But He was thankful. He prayed, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from Me. Yet, not as I will, but as You will. And He said, Father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, Your will be done. You see, Jesus was all about His Father's work. He trusted Him. And He understood that He would work in and through this difficult situation. That He would work things together 
for His glory. And in the same way, we can pray with thankfulness. We can pray with thankfulness because we know that God will answer according to His purposes. That's why 1 John 5, verses 14-15 through 15 says this. It says, this is the confidence which we have before Him. When we come before Him in prayer, this is the confidence that we have. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. That when we pray according to the will of God, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which have been asked from Him. We talked in Sunday school about how at prayer meeting we're amazed, we marvel at how much God answers our prayers in accordance with the way we ask them on Tuesday nights at prayer meeting. And you know what? I can't help but think, well, praise God, it's because we're asking the right things. 1 John 5, he says, and if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked for from Him. If we, if we turn ourselves and focus on God's will and not ours, He will answer. And that is cause to be thankful. That we can come before Him with confidence. That when I pray, I can pray with confidence. Saying, God, I know You're going to accomplish Your will. Praise You for that. I am thankful for that. It's just like when I pray every Sunday morning and I say, God, not for my glory, but for Yours. Not for my benefit, but for the benefit of the saints at Harmony. And I know that that is the Lord's will. And I praise Him knowing that He will answer that. And I may get up here and look like a fool, but it doesn't matter. Because He will answer it according to His will. He will use whatever foolish words I speak to bring Him glory in the end. In one way or another. And in the same way, in Matthew 7, verses 9-11, through Jesus says this, He says, What man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? See, I can be thankful. Because I know that sometimes I even ask for foolish things. That there are times in my life I'll pray and I'll ask and I'll say, Lord, I, this would be great. Lord, bring this into my life. And He says, I'm not going to give you a stone. He says, I've got so much more planned for you. You're asking for things that you do not need. I've got a plan and I'm going to orchestrate my plan so I can pray with thankfulness knowing that He is in control, that He is sovereign. You see, Paul's point to the Colossians is be thankful in your watching. Keep alert to what's going on around you and pray specifically about such things while keeping in mind that God is at work. Prayer is not telling God how to act. It's asking God to act in accordance with His will. As Richard Trench, the once Archbishop of Dublin, as he once said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of His willingness. You see, when we pray, we should be thankful for what God has done in the past as well as what He's promised to do in the present and in the future. So in verse 2, 
Paul says, devote yourselves. Put forth intense effort. Devote yourselves to prayer, to pouring your hearts out to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. And do so keeping alert, being awake, aware of what's going on, with an attitude of thanksgiving. Recognizing God's ability to work in any given situation. So with that in mind, let's move on to verses 3 through 4. 3 and 4, here we see specifically what Paul asks the believers in Colossae to pray for. He says this, Praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the Word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Paul asks them to pray that God would open up a door for the Word so that they, him and his companions, could speak forth the mystery of Christ. Now just a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Roddick talked about praying for open doors and sharing the Gospel. I thought it was interesting that he spoke about this very subject not knowing that we were coming to this point, but God did. He spoke about open doors and how we shouldn't necessarily pray for open doors. That as you, you walk through a door, and there's your open door. That you walked through that door frame, there's your open door, now share the Gospel. That we spend too much time praying for open doors, when in reality we have open doors all the time. We should see that there's a door open. Duh! Prayer's been answered, now share the Gospel. And Paul says, pray that I'd have an open door. Now, remember, Paul is locked up behind closed doors. right? We don't want to forget the point. Paul is locked up. He's in prison. So it's appropriate for him to pray for opportunities to share the Gospel. We're not in prison. We have opportunities all the time. An open door is not, I go to Applebee's and the waitress says, please, tell me about your God. That is not, that's what we think is going to happen. Good sir, what must I do to be saved? That's not the open door that we should be praying for. The open door was, I have the freedom to go to Applebee's and share Jesus Christ. I'm not locked in prison. We have opportunities all the time. Dare I say the issue for us is not a lack of open doors. It's the lack of a willingness to speak. It's the lack of a willingness to be bold and share Christ. Share the Gospel. Notice also that Paul is not only asking them to pray that he might only proclaim the Gospel. It's kind of a given with Paul. He's going to proclaim the Gospel. That with any opportunity, he's going to. He's praying for something even more specific. He's asking them to pray for something more specific. He asked them to pray that he might be able to speak forth the mystery of Christ. And the idea behind the Greek is that he is asking them to pray that he will be able to manifest or make known that which is hidden about the Messiah in the Old Testament. The idea of the mystery of Christ is something that we see again and again in the New Testament. And it refers to that which was previously hidden in the Old Testament. That there were prophecies of the coming Messiah. They didn't clearly see what those prophecies were about. And the New Testament says, pray 
that I will be able to make those prophecies come to life, make them clear, and help them see and understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of those promises. In other words, he's asking the Colossians to pray that he will be able to effectively communicate the gospel. Sharing the gospel is a given. Saying, pray that I will be able to effective, open door to effectively communicate. That as that door opens, as those opportunities come, that I may be able to speak clearly. And Paul knows that if this is going to happen, it's going to take a miracle. It is going to take a miracle. An act of God. You see, we're called to share the Gospel. But God is the one who opens people's hearts and minds to understand the Gospel. I remember as, a, as an unbeliever, before I was a, a believer, I remember getting a Gospel tract. I, I, think, I think I was a fairly intelligent young man. I mean, I, I could read a, a piece of paper and then tell you what the piece of paper said. But I remember getting this Gospel tract. And I, and I opened it up, and in the front of it was a little smiley face, and it said, Jesus loves you. And I remember reading the Gospel, and then I, I closed it and said, what did that just say? I, I couldn't communicate back what it said, because it made no sense to me. My eyes were closed. There were scales on my eyes. I was blind to the truth. Sure, I probably could have reiterated some of the ideas, but it made no sense whatsoever. I didn't understand the Gospel. And Paul says, pray that I will be able to make known that which is currently a mystery to those who don't know Christ. You see, God is the one who opened my eyes to the Gospel. Not the greatness of somebody who wrote a Gospel tract. God is the one who opens people's eyes to the Gospel. When someone turns from their sin and places their trust in Christ, it's not because a pastor or an evangelist or a faithful Christian. Right? It's not because they opened their eyes. Though they may be a tool that God uses in the process, Paul, God says to Paul, go that I may use you to open their eyes to the truth. He actually tells him that. But it's God who is the one who is opening their eyes. Remember the parable of the sower and the seed? See, as we proclaim the Gospel, we're just casting seed. That's what we do. We keep casting seed. That's what we're called to do. Keep casting seed. Keep casting seed. But, we also are called to pray. We pray that the Lord of the harvest will prepare the soil. That He'll work in people's hearts to receive the seed. One of the reasons we pray for the lost on Tuesday night, is because prayer is an important part of evangelism. If it wasn't God opening their eyes to the Gospel, we wouldn't pray. That would be ridiculous. It would be a waste of time. Stop talking about people to God and start talking to people about God. Did I say that right? Stop talking to God about people and start talking to people about God. That's what we would do. But instead, the Scripture says, no, no, no. You need to talk to God about people. You need to pray. And then you also need to share who God is and what He's done with those people. See, the Lord of the harvest prepares the soil. And we pray that He'll work in people's hearts to receive the seed that we are called 
to cast. So we must never underestimate the importance of praying for the salvation of the lost. So let's review. In Colossians 4, verses 2 through 4, Paul is saying this. Put intense effort into your prayer. Be devoted to it. Put intense effort into your prayer life. Keeping alert to the needs around you while being thankful that God will work in accordance with His plan and His purposes. And pray that I, Paul, that as I, Paul, he's saying, pray that as I share the Gospel, people's hearts may be open to receiving it. That they may understand it. And that their hearts may be open to receiving it. So here's the question. So how do we apply all of this, both individually and corporately, specifically, here at Harmony Bible Church? How do we take this, these three verses, 2, 3, and 4, and how do we apply them individually and corporately as a church? Well, number one, we must devote ourselves to prayer. We must become a people of prayer. And we must put intense effort into doing so. Not just when it's easy, but especially when it's difficult. And we talked about this in Sunday school. How do we, how do, we do that? Because I can stand up here and I can say, you need to pray, you need to pray, you need to pray. And that may be true, but that's not going to motivate you for very long because I told you to pray. What you need is you need a picture of what God has done for you through Christ Jesus. That though you were dead in your trespasses and sin, that God came in the form of man, that He lived a perfect life, that He died on the cross, that He took your sin, your punishment, that which you deserved, and He died in your place, and He he was raised from the dead on that third day, defeating death and suffering. That you can turn from your sin, no longer a slave to sin, but now a slave to righteousness, and you can serve Him. And that when you realize that He's given you that, that He's done that for you, if you are a believer, if you have turned from your sin, devoted your life to Christ, then the natural response is devoting yourself to prayer. I believe, I believe in my heart of hearts, I cannot go on in this Christian life without being more devoted to prayer. Because as I look to Jesus... And every day I get up and I look to Jesus and I see the gloriousness of what He's done for me, the natural response will be prayer. And I believe the same is true for you, that if you are a follower of Christ, you will pray. And you will grow in that prayer. And if you don't, maybe you've missed something in the Gospel. Maybe you don't understand the Gospel. Maybe you need to focus more, to dwell more, on the Gospel, and let that motivate you to pray. You see, we need to pray. We need to put intense effort into it. We also need to lift up our eyes to what Christ has done for us and then recognize that the natural response will be intense effort. And it will be intense effort in our worship service. It's going to take some intentionality to say we're going to make prayer a part of our worship service. That we're going to make prayer a part of our community groups. That when we gather together, we must pray for each other during prayer meeting. And just one note on that. When I, when I came here, I intentionally referred to it as 
prayer meeting. I'm not sure what it was called before that, but I, whether it was Bible study and prayer meeting or prayer meeting and Bible study, it doesn't matter. But I intentionally call it prayer meeting. There are times when we study the Word. Yes. We need to study the Word on Sunday morning. We need to study the Word in Sunday school. We need to study the Word individually. We need to study the Word in our community groups. And we study the Word on Tuesday nights. But the primary focus for me on Tuesday nights is prayer. We need to pray as a church. But it shouldn't end there. I'll tell you, I'd love nothing more than for us to gather for an hour and a half, two hours, and just pray. Just pray on Tuesday nights. Maybe not even sharing what we're going to pray, right? I understand there's some benefit to saying, please pray for this and then praying. But just getting together and just praying and praying and praying. But we should also pray without ceasing. Not just on Tuesday nights, but during our fellowship time. There's nothing, there's little that's better than seeing two believers praying during the coffee fellowship time. Holding each other up, lifting each other up in prayer. And then also, we need to pray in our prayer closets, in our personal lives. You know, it's been said that a lack of corporate prayer is a sign of a lack of private prayer. A lack of corporate prayer is a sign of a lack of private prayer. Because it is. When we don't pray together, it's because we're not praying at home. We're fooling no one. And then, a lack of private prayer is a sign of a lack of corporate prayer. So the two go hand in hand. We can say, the reason we don't pray corporately is because we're not praying at home. And we can say, you know, the reason we're not praying at home is we're not praying corporately. That as we do one, the others, they naturally follow. They build on each other. The two go hand in hand. So we must devote ourselves to becoming a people of prayer. Number two, we must keep alert in prayer with thanksgiving. We must keep alert in prayer. As we look to what's going, around, going on around us, the world, right? We see secularism. We see persecution of Christians. We see abortion. Fifty-some-odd million babies killed since Roe versus Wade in this country. We see this country and our people, our churches even, abandoning the things of God. We must remember that God is in control. We must remember that what He has already done in human history and what He has promised He will do. We must be thankful as we watch. Yes, we need to be alert, but we need to be thankful. We need to remember His promises. We need to remember that just as He's been at work through the darkest of moments in human history, that He's been calling a people to Himself to worship, to serve Him, to be sons and daughters, that He is doing so today too. That when I watch the news and I hear all the horrible things that are going on, I need to remember that God is calling a people to Himself. That somewhere, somebody's getting on their knees and saying, I must follow Jesus. I need to remember as I see what's going on in the world around us that He will build His church. He's promised He will. And the gates of hell, they're not going to prevail against it. And I need to remember that He's coming back He's coming back to reign and rule in righteousness. Charles Spurgeon said, a mighty piece of weaponry in the battle of prayer is God's promise. 
we need to remember the promises of God. We must keep alert with thanksgiving. Be aware of what's going on around us and pray, but pray with thanksgiving, recognizing that He is in control. And then thirdly, we need to pray that people's eyes will be open to the Gospel. We must pray that the church, starting with us, not just Harmony Bible Church, the whole church, but starting with us, will be bold in sharing the Gospel. We need to be bold, and we need to pray to that end. And then we need to pray for the lost. Not just generally, but specifically. We must pray specifically for lost souls. There's a gentleman who attends uh, both my small group and Tuesday night, and there's a list of names that he always brings to those groups to pray for those people. There's a couple of people who do it. Praise God for that. We need to pray for for people specifically that God will open their eyes to the truth. That we will be bold and that God will work to prepare the soil to open their eyes for the seed that we are about to plant. So Harmony Bible Church, we must devote ourselves to prayer. We must keep alert in prayer with thanksgiving. The only way we'll devote ourselves is to be thankful for what God has done for us. And then let out of that thankfulness arise a natural devotion And then we must pray that people's eyes will be opened as we pray specifically for the lost. Let us pray now. Father God, I thank You for Your grace. God, we come to You today knowing that everyone in this room is but a sinner. Some of us, hopefully all of us, saved by the grace that's offered through Your Son, Jesus Christ. God, I praise You for the work that You are doing in this world. God, I praise You that though all seems lost to us at times, that we know that it's not. That You are working in a mighty and awesome way to build Your church. You are working things together for Your glory. God, I just pray and ask that You'd be with us. That You'd be with us as we recognize our need to come before You in prayer. Our need to devote ourselves to prayer. And God, we don't come as sinners thinking that we might be made right by praying, but that instead, because we have been made right, we cannot think of doing anything else but praying communicating, talking with You. And God, I pray for the world around us that their eyes would be open to the Gospel, that we would be bold in proclaiming it, and that their eyes will be open to it, that You would use us in a mighty and awesome way, not for our glory, but for Yours. Not to build our kingdom, but to build Yours. God, I thank You for Your promise. Your promises that You are indeed doing those things and that You are coming back to rescue us. God, help us to be mindful of that and to live not for this world, but instead to live in light of eternity. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Jason Polly, pastor of Harmony Bible Church in South Thomas, Maine. 
Feel free to share this message with others. And for more information about Harmony Bible Church, visit www.harmonybible.org. God bless, and to God be the glory.